when you take the time to understand livestock, when you take the time to understand how animals move, how they eat, how they function, it goes a long ways. And you can tell that from the quality of the meat. At family farms, it often takes the whole family to make it all work. And that family collaboration can produce magical and rewarding results. In Metter, Georgia, we got to visit a first-generation family farm that was built from scratch. I came from the mud, dirt on my hands, strong like a tree, there's roots where I stand. I'm David Zelsky, and this is the Fork in the Road podcast, presented by Georgia Grown and the fine folks at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Each episode, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Today, we're headed to Metter, Georgia. Metter is off I-16, a little more than halfway between Macon and Savannah, not too far from Statesboro. On this episode, you'll get to meet the Creases. They're the family that runs 920 Cattle and Company, a first-generation family farm founded in 2014. The owners are Jared and Becca Creasy, two folks who grew up in the agriculture community and have deep roots in the livestock industry. We are considered first-generation farmers. We did this on our own. We did this uh, without any um, capital, investments. capital investments. We did this without inheriting anything. This was something that, that we jumped out. We stuck our neck out on and, and did it ourselves. The Creasy's home is the family farm, where they raise beef, pork, lamb, and eggs. Every member of the family does their part, from the dogs that guard their fields to the hogs that handle some of the landscaping, and even their young daughter, Finley. 920 Cattle and Company is a family effort. As Jared explains, the name of their company has a heartfelt origin. So 920 was started from the marriage of Becca and I. September 20th is when we got married, and that's where 920 came from. Um, all of this started back in 2014. We started in the cattle business, purebred cattle business, where we were selling embryos, purebred bulls, females, pretty much anything along those lines. Brangus and Angus cattle is kind of the, the focus that we were on. We very quickly realized that uh, the way we were culling animals as far as the, not meeting the genetics that we were wanting, we uh, needed another outlet for it. So we started selling some freezer beef here and there, half and whole beef to uh, consumers, at-home consumers and we saw an opportunity there. And from there, that opportunity kind of grew into the meat business. When you picture a family farm, the image comes to mind of a grizzled group of sun-worn folks with calloused hands and skin forged from a long bloodline of hardworking individuals. But 920 Cattle and Company is a first-generation farm. In that sense, Jared and Becca might not look like your typical farmers. They're of the younger persuasion. And as Becca explains, they represent sort of a fresh take on the agriculture industry. Our generation is the bulk of the purchasing power within our economy. And I think we are, are shifting, maybe at least in, in our little space of this world, shifting how we engage with consumers because we are consumers ourselves. And I think recognizing the process that we go through to make decisions about brands that we engage with or companies that we want to, want to invest in or spend money in, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't consider that from our own perspective. And so as small business owners ourselves, like we want to show up in ways that, it, that develops trust and develops relationships with our consumers over time and do it in a thoughtful and intentional way. Running a family farm is no easy task, but as long as you persevere, 
amazing things can happen. And at 920 Cattle and Company, they know that well. We've been told no a lot in our young lives. Uh, since 2014, we've been told that we couldn't do what we've done. And we've learned a lot by being able to be told no. But at the same time, we were still able to make it happen. We still hustled hard and, and made the struggle and, and made it work. And, you know, we're not, not by any means living high on the hog. You know, we live off the land. We live off what God allows us to live off of. 30 miles north in Millen, Georgia, is where you'll find 920 Cattle's butcher shop and an abattoir facility. That's a slaughterhouse. There, families can get a variety of delicious and flavorful meats that are hand-butchered on-site. Becca and Jared came from the breeding side of the cattle business, so it took some convincing from the owner for them to decide buying a butcher shop was the right move. We were able to acquire a 75-year-old butcher facility. It had, of course, it has updates and upgrades, and we first had the conversation about it. The Freeze family, Mr. Bobby, he approached us um, about purchasing the facility. It was one of those things to where went in there one day, and he jokingly said, uh, y'all should buy this place. And Becca and I both laughed, and that was that. You know, we laughed at it and walked out the door. And long story short, he called us back, and uh, he said, I got some papers I want y'all to see. You know, y'all come up here, pick the steer up. I want y'all to come up here and kind of sit down with me. He lays this big old stack of papers on the desk, and he says, well, here you go. This is how much money I made last year. This is how much money I made the year before. This is all the business that I do. This is what you can do. Here you go. So we took it home. We looked at it, we looked it over, thought about it, prayed about it, and I guess that was in the spring of 2016. Spring of 2016 is when that was. In December-ish 2016, um, we pulled the trigger on it. And buying the butcher shop created a domino effect that ramped up the Creasy family business tenfold. But with the butcher shop, things kind of progressed. We very quickly branched out into some other species. Uh, once we kind of realized what was going on there, uh, we started raising hogs. We've got a lot of partner producers that help us manage all of this different opportunities and different things that we do now livestock-wise and ventured into hogs and, and, and really started growing size-wise, started growing livestock-wise. We were able to find a um, a pretty neat outlet for sausages, for uh, anything value added, we were able to start moving a lot more product, which in that turn allowed us to really pick up some more acreage, allowed us to pick up more head count, and, and really push forward with what we were wanting to do dream-wise. And inside, I got to see some meat get processed and packaged close up. Okay. Uh, we're in the salt cooler now. Um, this is where everything gets cured and laid down. Right here we have some uh, pork bellies, some fat back. Each customer gets a number and we'll write their, their their number on the skin of whatever they're getting cured so we don't lose anything of them. And right here, this customer has uh, some hams, some bellies, and some hocks. Right over here, that's our company pork chow that Mr. Willie is about to start cutting along with some pork bellies. At the butcher shop, 70% of the business that we do um, is for the public. That's processing everything from beef, pork, and lamb for the public. Whether we're private labeling it, whether we are putting a USDA label on it for those guys to go and resell it, whatever we're doing to help that farmer, to help that producer have a more marketable product, that is 70% of our business. And then 30% of the butcher business is 920. So where we take our company animals in there, uh, beef, pork, and lamb currently, and really take that to the consumer. So take that from the farm 
all the way through our butcher facility to the consumer, where we offer an unlimited amount of products, uh, which can be found at farmer's markets, pop-up markets, our mobile meat market that we have. Um, you can also purchase it online. We can ship nationwide. So we're able to provide that protein to be able to go through the whole way. Purchasing the butcher shop and slaughterhouse turned out to be a great move for Becca and Jared. It's now the backbone of their business. No pun intended. However, the Creases have made a real effort to diversify that business to cover more than just the raising and processing of meat, Becca explains. Diversity has been key for us, so I think when we think in terms of longevity and sustainability of a business, diversity is critical for us to implement. I know Jared mentioned it, so for a while we were in the hay business. We also owned a fencing company for a while, which allowed for some stability as things fluctuated in any entity. And so when we think about the meat business and the livestock production side of our business, it's a lot to manage, but the diversity is really what sustains us because I think when you look at it from the lens of providing sustainability and um, consistency and the ability to market and promote a product to a consumer who is used to a certain standard and used to a certain quality and consistency that um, that's the only way we, we could make that happen really was to diversify and broaden our our scope here. On this ranch, everyone's a member of the family. That's what makes it so great. The Creases want to provide a positive working environment for all of their employees. Both of us have worked in other entities and in other businesses, both in the private sector and for small businesses, and then in the corporate sector as well. So I think, you know, we learned very early what it what it feels like to work for somebody, and we understood very personally and very intimately what we um, expected for ourselves as employers, but also what we wanted our employees to feel. And so we treat all of our employees as if they are family. We are very intentional about our hiring practices, so just making sure that you know, at our core, we align with the people we hire and the people that are part of this team, and we I mean, we wouldn't be where we were, where we are, without the people that we have, you know, brought along and, and those that have helped us become what 920 is today. At 920 Cattle and Company, it's not just the humans that get treated well. Jared tells me the care they take with their livestock is really what sets their meat apart. So I think one of the biggest things when it comes to meat is animal husbandry goes a long ways. Animal husbandry really dictates how that animal is handled from the time it is born all the way until the time uh, and conceived. Yes, absolutely. So even before it was born, from the time we do the breeding all the way to the end, all the way to the final process, all the way till it hits the abattoir gate. And, and really the back door of the abattoir. And then not even, it doesn't even end there. I mean, it goes all the way to the packaging process. When you take the time to understand livestock, when you take the time to understand how animals move, how they eat, how they function, when it's 110 degrees outside, how they, you know, prefer to operate. It goes a long ways, and you can tell that from the quality of the meat. You can tell that from uh, the tenderness of it, the fat content in it. You know, we are a grass-fed, grain-finished operation with everything that we do. So everything is finished on grain. Everything goes through that final process of, uh, of a free-choice buffet. That buffet of whatever they want is their option. And, you know, happy animals provide happy meat, uh, and it provides good consistency in that meat. So the quality that it provides to the consumer 
is what we want to feed our family, is what we want to feed our employees, what we want to feed our community. And that's what, you know, is really important to us. Happy animals make happy meat. Now there's a slogan. The Creasy's tell me that besides providing customers with the high quality meat, consumer education is also a hugely important aspect of 920 Cattle and Company. Yeah, so when we think about educating consumers, we're really focusing on there's there's three focus areas. So the production aspect, so really understanding the consumer's hesitations and concerns around um, is their meat safe? Is the food that they're feeding their family healthy and wholesome for themselves? And so really understanding at a deeper level when they ask about is it grass-fed? Is it antibiotic-free? Is it this? Is it that? Like really understanding what their concerns are and addressing them in a, in a very transparent way. And so that's the first part. And then the second part is the processing and handling piece. So educating consumers on how how things are processed, what, how to prepare certain cuts of meat, what value-added products are, how convenience lays into or, or overlays into the production side of what we do from a brand and from a product standpoint, but then also on the other end of the spectrum. And so what what is the meat product that actually is taken home and how can we educate consumers about the, the healthiness and the quality and, and the wholesomeness of that product, but then how to prepare it for their families, kind of to what Jared was mentioning, like how do we educate them around healthy healthy eating habits? and changing um, nutrition and health at home so that it, you know, then turns into healthier families and healthier communities. If we can educate them on how to do that and how to, you know, take the toughest piece of meat on beef and make it to where it is really the probably the most delicious piece they put in their mouth. Like that is the big, big win. That is huge for us. And it allows us to move that whole animal. It becomes that zero waste opportunity um, to where we're not putting anything aside. We're not taking anything and throwing anything away. Um, you know, if, if we've been good enough to be able to, to shepherd these animals, to be able to run these animals uh, and, and take care of them all the way through, it's only right to be able to, you know, utilize the whole thing, utilize that whole animal uh, that was put here for us. On a temperate summer afternoon, we took a stroll through the open fields at a ranch owned by Mac McGee, a friend of the Creasy's who frequently does business with the family. So we're in Wheeler County, um, which uh, around the Alamo area. Um, we're about 65 miles from uh, what we call our home farm or headquarters farm, uh, where our sheep and uh, some hogs are located at. We're at Mac McGee's uh, place, this is his place. Um, We've got cattle over here. Purebred cattle is kind of what you can see behind us. These cows are eating good. These cattle are spoiled. They, uh, from the nutrition side, they, they pretty well get whatever they want. They get all the grass they can eat. Uh, you can see some protein tubs that they get this time of the year uh, when forage is starting to deplenish a little bit, changing seasons, um, and then also free choice minerals. To bring us the foods we eat and enjoy every day, it takes a network of families which make up whole communities. Jared tells me how Mac McGee and his family have helped the Creases over the years. Mac has been a blessing to our family. We met Mac, um, I don't know, probably eight years ago now, and uh, he's been gracious enough to, to kind of work along with us, and, and uh, we trade a lot of stuff out, and just one of those relationships that bring it back to the word of family. You know, Mac, Mac's part of the family, and, and, uh, and we're thankful to have him. There's a whole lot of animals roaming freely on this property, and it's a beautiful sight. So let's visit some more. Further down in the pasture, Jared points out some chickens. So the neat thing about when chickens are out uh, in the pasture where cattle are, you can physically see 
what they actually do from a fertilizer standpoint, not just the chicken itself, but they'll actually go out and they'll scatter that manure pile. So instead of a six inch by six inch um, impact, um, you have almost a two foot by two foot impact area from that manure from that beef animal, um, just from where that chicken has scattered it out. Even the chickens are doing their part for the ranch. Like I said, y'all, it's a family effort. And the chickens even create fun games for Finley. She's the littlest Creasy. The pastured chickens will often lay eggs by these corner posts, and they've already been picked up for the day, so this is just what has been laid in the last probably hour or so, two hours. So it's like Easter every day for y'all, and you go around. Yes, and... yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the highlight of Finley's afternoons is picking up eggs after school. Getting to grow up around these animals makes Finley one lucky kid. And she even gets one group of animals to manage all on her own. We got the lambs. We knew that it was a, a good business investment, but we really got the lambs uh, for Finley. So all of the registered lambs that we have here are registered in Finley's name. And this um, is the idea of teaching her sound business principles early on and letting her kind of help or be a part of all of those decisions when it comes to breeding. And she's four. So she quote unquote helps manage the lamb flock, but it's really like the lambs is the place for her to really kind of, you know, stretch her muscles in that space and let her make some decisions and let her be a part of that planning process very intimately. Raising all these animals in the same pasture requires a special method for making sure everyone gets fed. So you, you do the rotational grazing, how much is it, of a challenge is it to get these chickens where the these pig, pigs are? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so we go, um, our goal is to, lambs will lead the way, cows will follow, then hogs will come last, and then chickens, chickens are pretty flexible in where they can go, so they, we typically don't let them stay with the hogs though, but they can stay with cows and lambs, so um, we typically just rotate them within a pasture until they have been exposed to the whole pasture because they um, kind of, they go wherever, but they are concentrated in certain areas, and then we will um, load them up into crates and relocate them, pull their their uh, mobile coops, their tractors as we call them, um, retired peanut wagons in this case, and then we'll relocate them and then we'll let the chickens back out. And not everyone in the pasture is there just to eat. Some animals just want to sow chaos in the fields. The hogs, um, they root, they're a little rougher on the land, so we are, um, the pastures that they go into are a little more limited. Um, and then fo following Following their rotation, we oftentimes will have to come through and, and just like fill in holes, make sure that the, the land is, is then replenished. Uh, chickens are a great um, natural fertilizer, so we'll let them oftentimes come behind the, uh, the pigs, let the land rest and fill in holes and uh, make sure that it gets time to recoup and then we'll be ready for the next rotation for lambs to come in. Sounds like these pigs are no strangers to a good time. Let's get an up-close look. They're smart, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If they wanted to, they could push that fence right down and come visit us if they wanted to. Y'all remember that book, Animal Farm? Uh, never mind. One of the cornerstones of 920 Cattle and Company's business is diversity. 
and not just the species of animals they process, but also the breeds. So what's really neat um, with the diversity that we are within every breed uh, or every species, especially with beef and lamb, is that we have a purebred herd of animals and then we have a commercial herd of animals. Um, and with the sheep, you know, we do sell purebred Katahdin lambs, uh, mostly females. Uh, we haven't really gotten to the, uh, the breeding stock from a ram yet, but we diversify ourselves within each species, not just from the standpoint of diversified farm with, uh, with all of these species, but we diversify all the way down into it. Um, and that kind of gives us those separate and different outlets to be able to move that product. Uh, whether it be live animal or whether it be meat as well, um, it gives us that opportunity to capitalize the best that we can. The Creasy family is one smart, savvy group of hardworking individuals. Their dedication to a diverse business means they have fingers outstretched into every aspect of farming. And you can already see the fruits of their labor and imagine their hard work echoing through the generations as time rolls on and establishes the legacy of 920 Cattle and Company but it all has to start somewhere. Becca and Jared are the ones that made it happen. One of the biggest things is that we've learned um, in the past seven years of business is, you know, we're human, we're not perfect. We make mistakes um, and we grow from it and we learn from it and we try to, you know, not just better our business or ourselves, but our people and the people that we have those relationships with. For more stories like this one, you can watch A Fork in the Road on GPB TV or anytime on the gpb.org website. That's where you'll also be able to listen to and subscribe to this podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. I'm David Zelski. Thanks for listening to A Fork in the Road.